Welcome to Ferment Radio, a podcast series on bacterial and social fermentation. Fermentation can incite social action, spark creativity and bring surprising new tastes to our lives. My name is Agapo Krivka and I invite you to join us in a conversation on living interconnectivities. From macro to micro, from cellular to societal and from global to personal. This episode is about transformations, especially those that take place when we ferment food collectively. As the contents in fermentation jars change their taste, people's relationships evolve and everyone tunes into a microbial time. There is physical and mental inspiration when we work with bacterial cultures. We will hear a lot more about this in our conversation with Eva Bakeschlet. Eva is an artist exploring the potential for social change through gentle actions and subtle mind shifts. You can also call her a gentle or culture activist. By revealing and reclaiming forgotten or rejected practices, concepts and cultures, Her work connects us to the Earth as a living organism. Eva lives on the island of Ingeloya in the north of Norway. She grows and harvests her own food and learns as much as possible about life and sustainability from old folks, animals, birds, trees and the Earth. One might imagine wintertime in northern Norway to be like a cold and endless night. How does she actually experience this time of the year on her island? Well, right now I'm sitting in my studio and I got uh, the fire going with wood, birch wood that I've chopped myself. And uh, so I'm living on an island and on one side of the island we see the Lofoten Islands, this famous beautiful group of islands that stick out into the, into the West Fjord it's called. And, uh, and I'm facing the slightly the other side so I've got beautiful mountains on either side, they're all snow capped at the moment and because the sunshine doesn't come above the horizon the mountains are i call i call it the ice cream time because all the mountains get covered in uh, they get um uh, covered in all these sort of ice cream colors from vanilla and sort of blue mottled blueberries and and you know pistachio green and strawberry colored so it's yeah ice cream time it's 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 very it's stunningly beautiful and it's it always um makes me appreciate um just being alive looking at this and people think that when the sun disappears it must be pitch black but it's actually uh you know it's, it's pretty pitch black uh at you know some time of the day and night but you know when the the four hours of the day when it's uh, light it's pretty stunning and worth it i was born here originally and uh, i lived here for the first uh six no, four years of my life, and then I moved to Sweden, and then, you know, I came back to Norway for a few years, to the north of Norway, and then I lived in England for many years, so altogether I've lived here half of my life, I say, so I moved back here 
20 years ago uh, to this particular place. I, I moved 20 years ago and then, but I've been away for six of these 20 years. So, but I'm pretty rooted in this place, I would say. It's the place I've lived the longest in all my life. Growing up in this, steeped in this wilderness, you feel so um, attached to it somehow. It's physically, it's physically a mental attachment. And, and I've never, and I, you know, a lot of people I know experience this. They move away somewhere else and, and you feel this sort of longing. There is something very, very deep and and uh, essential elemental i would say deep inside you that that you know almost pushes you back to to this place and for me it was such a strong pull especially when i had children that i i just wanted them to uh, grow up and experience this this wilderness and and this yeah this this particular chemistry of of you know and and stories and beauty that i'm surrounded with here it really talks to me because I was born in a city and I kind of feel I need to rebuild this connection to to nature or the land because it was never kind of a part of my childhood or like a growing up time. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I feel it. I think I am on the other side. So uh, I'm a person who totally needs to kind of, uh, you know, figure it out for myself because it wasn't something which was given or like you know, which would be present in my life. No, and I suppose that, that wilderness or that nature connection, I mean, we're all part, I mean, cities are also part of nature. So, but it's this wilderness connection, I suppose. It's, it is a, a pretty unique experience having had that in your childhood. But it's also, of course, possible to connect to at a, if the pool is strong enough at a later. But it's also very, it's also quite demanding. I am an artist. I also call myself a cultural activist. Um, because um, whatever I do with my art, um, it's like a sort of connection with a sort of cultural activism. With culture, I define it as uh, um, as being in, in contact, in, in connection with the land. The word culture comes from the Latin word, uh, word cultura, and the cultura means to prepare the ground for something to emerge out of. And, and that kind of nurturing, it implies the nurturing of the earth, that word, and of course, our our uh, you know the the word cultura has uh, the the word culture has taken loads of different ways, and in our mind, nurturing the ground is perhaps something that doesn't come to our mind when we think of it. But that is the origin of the word, and uh, when I think of the word culture, for me, it's about nurturing the ground and and looking deep into it and uh, and uh, being inspired at. Uh, being part of it really and of course we are we are we come from the earth and uh, and we go back to the earth so we're all earth beings we're all cultural and that's what I feel that's uh, that's what I do very much in my life and and, and my life and my art is uh, very much inter intertwined um, I don't really separate one from the next one from the other I uh, yeah, they're very amalgamated, and I've always wanted to um, knit this this close bond with everything I do. And uh, I suppose I get better at it as years go by. And I, I work with. Uh, I'm very interested in um, uh, transformation processes, uh, and in particular, I've been working a lot with uh, bacteria and ferment the process of fermentation uh, for many years, and been very very pulled uh, to this and. 
done it in all kinds of ways as workshops or as in films or as in um, yeah more kind of physical um, object some object based work I also saw on your webpage that you describe yourself as a gentle activist how how one can become uh, this kind of activist well a gentle activist um, is some someone I suppose who who are not working with very big explosive um, you know barricade stuff uh, it's more kind of the small almost invisible processes I would say that's how I would define a gentle activist so a butterfly for instance is uh, perhaps a gentle activist when a butterfly um, um, flies with his wings and it causes uh, you know um, a storm on the other side of the and uh, a hurricane on the other side of the world that's a type of uh, a good analogy for a uh, for a a good metaphor for a, a gentle activist. And I would say a gentle activist is uh, somebody who um, makes subtle changes or, or, or um, who, who, who has, if I, when I do gentle activism, I, I get something moving and get some ideas moving and get some conversations moving and, uh, and generally introduce um, helpers like uh, bacterial uh, communities and uh, and then together we make something and do something and then a process starts happening and then hopefully that process will spread into the way that we think or the way that we yeah look at the world and uh, and the way that we subsequently do things and act and uh, yeah that's uh, that's what I'm hoping that would be the result of gentle activism. I'm also thinking about what you said about this um, merging your life and work together and getting better at it. How how do you rest or how do you like regain your energy? In in that respect, I I do feel quite related to farmers, and because I live in a rural area on this uh, in in the north of Norway, it's uh, I have quite a few farmers around me, and they they live in the rhythm of the year and in the rhythm with the the animals and and with their surroundings, and uh, and I I live like that as well. I feel because I grow a lot of my own food and. And uh, I live, and here the the seasons are very very strong. So I live with the seasons, and I I definitely live with the seasons. Definitely live with the, the land, and with my uh, you know my work is just intertwined in everything. So I rest more in the winter, uh, also because it's dark, and I can you know I live more of a I do more of the the sort of research base of my work and the inside base of my work there. And uh, in, in the summer, it's uh, I just do everything outside, and and a lot of the work that I can do outside of my, um, yeah, my sort of active art uh, uh, work also happens in the summer. You work, uh, or very important um, place in your work has uh, fermentation. Uh, you've mentioned already that, but. I am just curious what are you or is there something you are fermenting physically at your at your home at the moment Well I have I always have a a, a variety of uh, ferments going apart from you know life is a ferment 
if you start outside, I have a big compost heap uh, that's fermenting at the moment, and I have uh, several uh, buckets and 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 big containers full of bukashi ferments, you know, which is a type of composting that ferments and that I use on my vegetables. And then inside I have a lovely kombucha that I got from a fantastic, now a good friend of mine who I made a film about uh, many years ago up in northern Russia. Um, she had this wonderful kombucha there and uh, I, so I'm related to her through the kombucha, which is fantastic. And I got an incredible sado that originates from Russia that was given to me by Andrew Whitley, who used to be a BBC journalist um, who worked a lot in Russia. And uh, he uh, fell in love with rye bread sado traditions in Russia and brought home uh, a jam jar full of sado and changed it changed his life, basically. He was, um, you know, he stopped being a journalist and started baking bread and I had him on one of my uh, my very first bread event actually in England the companion festival of bread in 2007 he was uh, he was there and he gave me the the sourdough from then and I managed to somehow keep it alive and sometimes I've lost it and I had to go out into my big network of people who I've given it to through events and uh, got it back again and then I got a lovely kefir that um I was given by a Greek lady in London, and it was funny that the story when I got it because um, I we had connected through this fermentation network uh, when I was living um, just south of London, and uh, so we said, "Oh, let's meet in this uh, at the London Bridge railway station on a Friday at six o'clock, which is possibly the busiest time." Not. To, not a Friday today because it's, uh, well, now it's lockdown is over, but it was super busy, people everywhere. And we hadn't sort of agreed on what we looked like or, you know, to have, wear a red rose or something. But somehow I stood there and I was looking out for this lady and I was thinking, I wonder, is it, is it her? No, no, it can't be her. Is it her? And suddenly she turned up and, and we just knew. We just looked at each other and then we just knew we were ferment, both fermenters. So she, uh, out from her pocket, she she pulled this white substance and we exchanged and uh, and had a little chat and, and off we went. So I'm related to her through the kefir. Yeah, and then I got um, a slightly neglected rumacola at the back of my fridge. A rumacola is a northern milk ferment and um, um, I managed to get hold of it. Actually, uh, somebody had brought it to America. So that was so that um, emigrated with em immigrants from Finland, actually, in the, in the form of Vili, which is a, uh, very related to to the Norwegian drumakol, and uh, so some uh, immigrants brought it to uh, to this, the U.S. when they moved over there a hundred years ago, and then they started cultivating it uh, there, and it survived, and I managed to get it back from uh, from Washington. Um, state they're uh, growing it in and then that's also living at the moment in my in my life that's part of my collection of fermented heirlooms uh, in my fridge at the moment and then I'm making some kimchi I'm, at the moment I'm, I'm picking some uh, I'm, I'm uh, harvesting the last of my cabbage and making some sauerkraut out of that so there's a lot of bubbly bubbly jubblies all over the place I suddenly in in my head popped this uh, the beginning of my my f fermenting 
life. Um, no, it's not the beginning. The beginning is the very beginning when you're born. I was uh, in, in England at the time um, and I was doing a master in art and ecology. I was making a film about bread and I'd put a, a microphone in the bread dough and heard the amazing uh, language of, uh, of bread. The bread was speaking to me and it was making smattering noises and I was, I was fascinated by this and thinking, wow, I just want to I just want to go deeper and, and delve into this. Yeah, that's a that's an amazing story. That's uh, you've you've heard basically the calling of a sourdough when you <laughs> when you recorded that. It sounds a little bit like that. Yes, it's uh, things come to you at the right time, and it's all up to you to to um, to to look at it and open up the the, the possibilities that these things offer to you. Yeah, maybe it's a bit like with uh, fermented foods, right? That there is this moment when they are ready to be consumed. Exactly. And that's also so interesting, I feel, because you there there are so many different ways of, of going into it. And of course, you can you can do it all by the book and, you know, you just do it like this. Or you can bake, you know, like baking sourdough. It's uh, some people profess that oh you should do it like this and then you have to wait then and then you sort of turn it every hour and then put it in the fridge and then and then you get a perfect uh, loaf of bread uh, but you can make a sourdough bread in a totally different way and I've baked with people from all over the world who who've got sourdough traditions and they all have their quirks and they're totally different ways of doing it of course there are some related bits um, but generally there are so many different ways of doing it. And basically, for me, what's interesting is to observe the microbial community and, and see what, what they're up to and then just go with it and learn to, to, to collaborate with them instead of imposing this concept that you've learned from somewhere or this recipe that you that, that you read and imposing it on them. What would be the most important lessons you uh, you learned from uh, bacteria or all the fer fermentation you've practiced so far? Well, there's there's so much, uh, but you know maybe it's possible to boil it down to three things, and it's really taught me a lot of lessons about time. Uh, that time is this very relative um, um, thing. A concept rather not a thing um, and that you can um, when the time is right um, it's 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 you can't just say that it takes 40 minutes or it takes three hours for instance when you're baking a sourdough bread it's all depending on um, on other factors like temperature and uh, um, humidity and uh, time of year and uh, you know conditions basically so time time is a flexible concept and uh, and to to have that flexibility within it and just see it as a, as a relative concept rather than putting anything more into time time is time is relative and it's nothing more nothing more to it and that's you know that's a big it's like understanding it reading it uh, is one thing but really understanding it through um working with the microbial world it's like you know it's it's a wonderful thing you just realize that uh, these guys um, you know live in a different time frame and uh, so and and conditions you know the conditions have to be right it's like um, 
it's the same with this amazing, um, you know, with seeds that can be dormant for a long time. That same bacteria can be dormant for so such a long time, and then when the con conditions are right, then they flourish again. That's what's so exciting now. Well, maybe it's people. Some people are dreading it. The bacteria that are waking up uh, in the ice and on the ice caps at the moment. Of course, that's terrifying. Uh, the, the potential of uh, of that is is terrifying for some people, but it's also quite exciting the way that these uh, these little beings have have been there, like uh, um, like in the fairy tales, been sleeping there and 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 now waking up. And suddenly, just sort of shaking up because the conditions are right. It's uh, it's quite remarkable that they can be dormant for so long. It's really so. And when the conditions are right, suddenly they spring back into life. I mean, what an incredible ability to to just encapsulate yourself into this little bubble, um, time bubble. So I think. I think that that is just it's just uh, fuels me endlessly thinking about the the amazing capacities of uh, of um, creative capacities and life that strong life force in 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 the microbial world. I'm inspired by the microbes as artists because I've always uh, you know once I I started uh, learning more about them I just realized that not only were they uh, great uh, conjurers and and uh, and sort of performance artists that they can transform all these incredible um, you know substances and and transform them into all kinds of different ways. But they're also uh, they're also inventors uh, um, in the evolutionary process, which is really intriguing. And and what's also incredible with the with the microbes is that they are such a creative gang of of forerunners in a sense they're they're shapeshifters that uh, that find ways of of transforming their communities and uh, and especially in these times of of crisis you know we should really uh, there's another reason for looking at the microbes because they have survived and thrived in times of crisis and and gone through those transformation processes so many times and uh, um, in the first two billion years of life on Earth, bacteria have have continuously altered the planet's surface and atmosphere, and they've invented all the essential chemical substances uh, necessary for this life. And and you know they they were they were really biotechnologists. They they were inventors of of biotechnologies, and in that. In that uh, invention mode, they invented fermentation and photosynthesis, and and our and oxygen breathing, and uh, and also the amazing uh, process of fixating um, uh, atmospheric nitrogen into proteins as well, which is you know quite it's quite an incredible, and that is through collective work. It's not the work of one microbe, one bacteria. It's this collective. Uh, brain or organism that comes up with these solutions, which I am fascinated about how how they come to that process, how they come to these uh, these inventions, and uh, and of course you know in in all their inventions and in all their their ways of uh, living, they've also caused crisis 
like uh, you know because they've they've exhausted their food, they had to find other ways of of uh, like that's how photosynthesis happen uh, because of starvation. They had to invent invent that, and they also uh, suddenly you know because. Uh, when they invented when when oxygen um, when they invented oxygen suddenly there were lots of bacteria that couldn't survive because they couldn't breathe so either they they had to die or they had to transform and some of them just disappeared into this dark corners of the world like right into the the deepest pools and under the oceans and they're still there that's the amazing thing they didn't want to change so they just stuck to those little little puddles and those sort of deep corners of the world but they are the outcasts <laughs> but but so incredible with them is that problems they the the bacterial world often turn problems into opportunities and i think that's uh yeah we have that's where we really have, we have so much to learn from them and often we look at the great answers in in big things and i think you know the bacteria have been around for the longest and uh, and they have really been and because they're such a big part of us as well uh, we just can't ignore the fact that uh, you know everything uh, in our lives are depending on them and we should really it's it's a reason why we should we should be obliged to get to know them from an early stage and really encompass them and and uh, honor them i think would you see this um changing kind of perception of those two things um, in relation to to social fermentation? How do you understand social fermentation itself? Of course, you can answer in whatever order you want. So social fermentation and if this time and conditions could be seen as like a component of social fermentation. So social fermentation is something... Um, Uh, it's like a concept that I worked with a lot in my in my work and how I define it. I mean, I'm sure you can define it in different ways, perhaps. But the way that I see it is um, letting the or being inspired by the ways that bacteria um, live and also this particular um, concepts that we've been talking about time and, and conditions. If you if you create spaces uh, that are um, inspired uh, by by bacterial transformation and um, by by fermentation by uh, and by the time frames and the conditions that transform uh, that make the conditions right for for transformation of bacteria then Uh, it, it creates a particular culture with with humans uh, as well, and you 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 get this bubbly fervor that spreads um, uh, in this collaboration, in this basis of collaboration, and and there is uh, an inspiration that is very physical as well as mental uh, from uh, from working with the, with the bacterial cultures, and and there is a a transformation that is happening in the room and between the people as well as with the substance that you're working on if you're baking bread together or making kimchi or or whatever it might be there is uh yeah there is an extended uh, form of uh, of uh, fermentation a social fermentation which is really exciting to to be part of uh, when it happens and uh, and then 
the, the produce it's, is not that important, um, really. Of course, it's amazing to share the, 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 what you've made, but it's also the, the process is so important. Um, learning from each other and, and listening to the microbes along the way. It's lovely being defined by, you know, your, your schedule being defined by, by something uh, non-human and something that has its own time frame that is an organic process, uh, which I think it's also something that is uh, it's good to unlearn uh, the habits that we've learned from being in this sort of human nine to five um, time frame and, and being within um, um, a microbial time frame. In this social fermentation spaces, you mix ingredients just like you would in a bread dough. And the ingredients here in this case is uh, humans and microbes. And if you're working with uh, sourdough bread, you need some flour and you need some water and you need some tools and you need some, yeah, you can, you can put in whatever ingredients you want. That's, that's what differs my work as an artist to somebody who gives a course in sourdough bread making. It's like I, I frame it in a different way and, uh, and, uh, and put this, make these spaces for social fermentation. It once happened to me that um, I was uh, talking with one uh, art uh, funding, I don't know, bureaucrat, let's say, and when she heard about fermentation kind of workshop as a, as an art form, she asked me, so where is art there? <laughs> <laughs> if she would ask you that question or any, any other person, how would you, how would you answer to that? Well, it's a question I've heard. I've been, yeah, I've, I've been asked as well uh, from lots of different people. And uh, I, I would say, First of all, I can say that that question used to be, I used to get that a lot when I started working with these things about, you know, 13, 14 years ago. But now it, there's, it's a, there's a shift that's happened. I would say in the last five years or so, um, it's, it's been a shift and a lot more people know about fermentation, are excited about it and can totally see how that it can be related to art. But um, two people who asked me uh, that question, I would say, uh, it's art is always about fine tuning your senses, and and um, as an artist, I see my role as uh, helping other people or inspiring other people to fine tune their senses and to look at uh, the world from a different perspective. And I think everything I do uh, as an artist is about communicating that, and it's about giving people. Um, it's like giving people glasses to to look at the world from another place, and the fermentation is all about the process of transformation, and uh, and going into it uh, from uh, you know as I was explaining from this artist perspective, when you go deeper into the questioning and to the playfulness and into the aesthetic perspectives, uh, it it is all a, a, a big big. Uh, process of transformation and that that's the that's what you get from it and uh, and and the process itself and being a part of that uh, experience is is a transformative process so that's that's the artwork that was Eva Backeschlet 
You can find more about Eva's work on her webpage www.evabakeslet.com. If you would like to know more about the show, listen to this episode again, or find previous episodes, please go to fermentradio.com. You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. I'm always looking forward to hearing from you at hello at fermentradio.com. Ferment Radio is brought to you by Culture of Cultures and is produced by Super Eclectic. Thank you for listening. Keep fermenting and stay tuned for the next episode of Ferment Radio.